Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with your hosts, Jake and Randy, discussing all things freestyle frisbee and whatever else that comes up. Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with Jake and Randy. Hey, Jake, how are you doing today? Great. How are you, Randy? I am doing fantastic. I'm actually going to go out and jam with the beast later today, so I'm looking forward to that. But I do have a question. Now that we really are after jammers, how did jammers go? How was that experience? Oh, it was amazing. This was one of the best jammers that I've been to in my 11 years of going to jammers. Um, The wind was very nice the whole time. Really, it was really strong, but uh, it was very consistent, very playable. And man, we were all shredding. Um, I think on Monday, uh, James, Ryan and I got out there at nine in the morning and I kept playing until six in the afternoon. I was so shredded after that, but man, it was fun. (laughs) We had a great time. God, yeah. I mean, I saw some on the the live stream and I saw some videos that were uh, posted by Mike Galoop of you guys jamming and looked like really strong wind. But you ended up doing a move that Mike captured was like strong winds and you were doing behind the head brushes. You were looking like a little ballerina with your with your Frisbee tutu on and you just like so gracefully went down and ended it with a flawed. It was awesome. Oh, that was fun. Yeah, you know, it's cool when you get to play in that condition uh, for a long period of time. You can really develop some skills that otherwise you don't, you never get to because you don't play in those conditions very often. So at some point I was figuring out as the disc was rising up and getting ready to blow past, I could reach out and delay the top and just nose it back down and keep it right in front of me. Cuffing is one of my favorite things. And in a high wind, there are some cuff moves available that just aren't. You can't do anywhere else. I guess not just cuffing, it's the the attitude control. I love changing the angle of the disc. So when I was a kind of a new jammer, I went to one of Skippy's tournaments, and there was a guy there who I've only ever met once at this tournament. His name was Joe Meshner. And the wind was pretty strong on the first day. And he was out there by himself. And he would throw it up with a little bit of spin. Brush, cuff, brush, cuff, brush, cuff. And he was making these super subtle angle changes. And for some reason, that just enthralled me, watching him keep it right in front of him and just change the angle a few degrees back and forth, back and forth. It was just like the level of control seemed really impressive. And so ever since then, I've been trying to replicate that. And I feel like probably I've surpassed that, but it's still fascinates me to be able to control uh, the attitude of the disc like that. Yeah. And you know what? That is key in high winds is be able to do that really minute kind of adjustment because it really, it's all about lip management when you have those kind of winds that are coming really strong. And if you can control that lip so it doesn't tilt up where the wind can blow it over your head, that's where the fun is because then you can just have it just stay right right on that plane right in front of you you can like throw legs over and it just it's kind of you can dance around the disc yeah. uh, in a way that you cannot do say indoors or yeah well so i used to do what you're saying where i try to keep it on the plane flat in the wind but uh the last few years i've been experimenting with what happens if i make it steep on purpose and let it start blowing over my head and then do something to bring it back down and actually which is what you see in that video i'm like okay this is too steep, but I'm doing it on purpose because I know that I can bring it back down on the next touch. And so then the disc ends up doing this up and down, up and down motion 
which is a whole other aspect of the game that I don't know that a lot of people experiment with. It's a it's a tough one to go because you got to be able to manage that lip to even go there. But once you kind of get that smallness, the minutiae down, then you can kind of start opening it up because you can control it. Very cool. Well, we'll have to post the video uh, on Frisbee Guru so folks can take a look and, and see what we're chatting here about. But uh, why don't you uh, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about the uh, episode we're going to get to enjoy today? Yeah, so I'm, I'm really excited about this one. We're continuing our conversation with Fabio Sana, uh, who is definitely one of the, the newer and more inspirational players for me. So um, in this episode, we start the conversation by um, asking him about the formation of the acrobatic Frisbee team. So let's listen. Amazing things happen to me going around with Clay and the acrobatic uh, team, acrobatic Frisbee team with Claudio Ocinia. Sometimes I... I had crazy dreams. <laughs> so he he is a magician, a true magician. He can disconnect you from reality sometimes, really. And he doesn't use drugs or anything. He doesn't do alcohol. So he's a you know he's a pure player. He's a he's an amazing amazing guy. Well, what do you mean a magician in that sense? That he can you can you expand on that a little bit? He has a this energy that. Uh, comes out of him that the same moment that I met him, I thought, how old are you? And uh, you you seem like a child. And since back then, he didn't change, but not a bad child. You know, he, he's a very good child. He's always been a magician in being uh, a kid, you know, retaining his, his pure soul. His spirit is so, uh, so strong. You can tell. Every time I've sort of been in the presence of Clay, it always feels like you're around somebody special. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. You mentioned that you joined Clay and uh, Claudio Chinga. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and the fris as the acrobatic frisbee team. Can you talk a little bit more about that? When did you start doing that, and what were you guys doing? So yeah, we I think we started. We were not the acrobatic frisbee team, but we were. We were calling ourselves the Chakawaka, but then they, we, they didn't want us use that name. So Clay didn't want because it was the, the same name that they were using with Lorenzo Payani and Fernando Batunio. So we, we just uh, started doing some shows in Rimini. I think uh, uh, it was the first the first team was with Matteo Gadoni. There was also Picho, the, the, one of the first shows, and there was Clay, of course. And we were thinking about uh, this acrobatic frisbee team. And I think it was probably 2005, probably. And then Claudio Cinha started to uh, to play, and he became the, the mastermind organization. He was organizing uh, all the meetup he was looking for events and we started getting a lot of shows because he was posting uh, all around events and fairs around europe he was posting uh, what we were uh, capable of and and some uh, uh, portfolio what kind of shows were they for kids or at, at fairs or uh, so they were different for the environment we were uh, looking at. We were going into schools and doing some shows for uh, for the kids, 
and then it was really jamming with them, playing with them. And some other events uh, were for television or uh, big arenas for Winter Olympics at one time. Uh, that at that time I I got to meet uh, some of the Torino hardcore freestyle frisbee crew. That's the first time I met Fabrizio Nico, for example, uh, Nino. I met a lot of guys there that time, and uh, we went uh, in Europe uh, loads of time with clay. So not only in Italy, once in. Uh, it was uh, Arabia in Bahrain. We went once. Yeah, we, we, we got to travel a lot. So how do you think doing the Frisbee shows influenced your style of play and your level of skill? They got me uh, to train on my, on my consist- consistency. So yeah, I, for doing my shows, I couldn't just jam and you know, and, and go for it. So that, that was key for having a clean play. For a while, I, I was into the, I wanted, I wanted dropless. I wanted completely clean and the more aesthetic I can do, uh, the better for, for those who, who watch it, not for me. That was, uh, I was looking from the outside what we were doing, uh, not, not only in the, inside what I was doing. So that was key for, for some parts of the game that then uh, if you go to a tournament, uh, it, it really helps. Uh, if you go into a jam, it really helps too. But it, it really changed my, my, my game, definitely. In the shows, showmanship, I had Clay, who is a hardcore joker. <laughs> he can do any kind of joke you can invent you know he he really is a joker it was a, such a such a fun uh, time yes clay is the ultimate showman for sure that is one of the things that he brings to the table in spades yeah yeah for sure for sure so during this time were you also going to frisbee competitions or was it mostly just practice and shows uh, no i i was trying to get in uh, any competition i could i had to go to Every tournament I could. I was a student. I had some money from the family, and I was uh, still staying in my house. Uh, uh, sorry, in my family's house. Every everything was uh, very easy back back then. I was just uh, playing and going to every tournament I could. I, I saved some money, uh, worked a little bit, and saved some money, and then go. It was just fun. And also, you know, playing with Clay, getting some money out of these events, I could just take some of this money and, and go with, in going with to other tournaments. And so I did. I, I didn't save any of that money. No, I just uh, spent them on going to tournaments. <laughs> right. So the acrobatic experience with Clay, and so you were making a, a, some money by doing those shows. But this was way after like your initial tournaments. Didn't you have a quite a quite a journey before you even got to where you were doing shows with Clay? What were some of those early tournament experiences? So I I tell you the first phone call I, I get from Tom Leitner. You know, I was in my grandma kitchen and he she tells me, 
it's Tom Leitner. He, she, he speaks English. Uh, he wants to talk to you. And she, she understands English, uh, actually. So I was, what? So I, I pick up the call and, and Tom was asking me to go to Bristol with him for making a show in UK in one week. And I go, what? Why me? And uh, he says, he thinks I'm a good player and uh, I'm capable of doing the job. Uh, but he cannot uh, pay for the trip. He can just pay for staying there for three uh, days in, uh, in a tent <laughs> in this uh, uh, sport uh, event. It was the NAS event, it's exp- extreme sport event. So I say, wow, this is, this is huge. Uh, this is maybe, you know, this is a passport for doing shows. And that's what I wanted to do, actually. I thought about it before, just when I, when I was looking Dave Lewis or uh, you guys on, on the red carpet. Back then, I, I thought, wow, you can blow people uh, head off doing freestyle shows. You've never seen anything like that. And people love it. I, I've seen it on during the, the tournament. So, yes, let's do it. I bought the ticket and I, and I went to Bristol. It was, uh, wow, it, th- that was the first show that I remember I, I did with Tom Leitner and I think Gregory Luas Jua was there, yes. And back then he called me, he made me this first nickname, Al Dente, because I, I, I cooked some pasta very, very uh, uncooked. <laughs> Everybody was <laughs> giving me hard looks. That's <laughs> I'm going to call you al dente from now on. I just want you to know yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good name. It was my first nickname. <laughs> so you had tournaments before then, though, right? Was, what, was your, what was your first tournament? Do you remember that? I mean, did you compete at yeah. Worlds that first time? No, I was... No. Uh, I, I didn't. Uh, Paul Kenny wanted to push pull me in the, the night before the, the the preliminaries, and I said no way. And uh, I'm just here for for shooting for for watching you guys next time. That December uh, in Rome there was Roma Shred, 2002, and Stefano Mestroni, Eleonora, and I went there, and I have photos. Uh, we shot from that day. We were 30 players all around, from all around Italy. And Andrea Meola was there. Piccio was there. Uh, Luca Moxi was there. Claudio Massaro. Uh, Fernando Bottugno, Lorenzo, Apriani, Clay Colera, Edo, Edoardo Favorini. Many people. And the whole Italy uh, hardcore crew, you know, you know the first... Uh, People who started back then, they, they were all there. Matteo, Matteo Gadoni. And uh, I became uh, 17, I think, in that. And it was an individual play, an individual tournament. So you played, I um, think, one minute alone. Yeah, that, that was it. You needed to do the hardest move you, you could. It was like a shred, yeah. Like turbo shred. And, yeah, it was like a, a turbo shred. It was a little different, and then they, uh, and then we had uh, a pair round as well because I remember playing with Stefano Mestroni 
that that was the first uh, tournament, my first tournament for sure. Wow! So were, there weren't very many tournaments in Europe at this at this point, were there? No, no. I remember back then. So in the year I I started, I didn't know. I didn't. Uh, I was not looking for it. After I found out about uh, the FBA, I started looking for any tournament. But before that, I researched, and there was probably Paganello, and uh, that's it in Italy. I mean, in Italy. Yeah, well, I've, I've never heard of the Roma Shred tournament. That was that's amazing, and it's amazing that you had such a large turnout at that event. It's, it always strikes me how many freestylers there are in Italy, and yet I I don't see a lot of them, and so I'm just not a, fully aware of how many really great jammers there are there. Yeah, I I don't know why. Ah, probably also the Vagolino was there. Probably also the Milano guys uh, were, were doing Vagolino. So then come 2004 Worlds, that was also on Rimini. Did you compete in that event? Yeah, I, yeah. As I told Paul Kenny, I went back and I competed with Stefano Mestroni. And we, we did the, the thing I, I thought it was impossible to go to semifinals. <laughs> Oh, you made it to the semifinals. Awesome. On your first Worlds. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. And uh, for, for me, it was, you know, like going to the moon. You had a lot of planned routines with Eleonora and you had great success. So can you talk a little bit about that path? Yes. For you? yes. Um, well, it was, uh, yeah, uh, another, another dream come to after I found out about Frisbee is... Uh, Eleonora started to play <laughs> and uh, in 2004 and and she told me I'm such in love with uh, I'm so in love with uh, um, all frisbee players that I want to start to do with uh, this sport and and she started in 2004 and uh, in 2006 we already won the first uh, world title and uh, and she, I remember she she was uh, really at the beginning <laughs> compared to what she can she could do in 2011, for example. So yeah, we 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 did something amazing uh, with the with the that little that we could do back then. Luck with the with with the was with the, our side, and but. That thing, that uh, winning championship, uh, gave all Italians, uh, all Europeans, uh, all these new ways an impulse. I remember from from that moment, we we all thought, "Hey, it's possible to to do this." And uh, the next 2007, Eleonora and Silvia did it again, and and I did it with the with the co-op team. Uh, we uh, we sort of unlocked the, the 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 first level, you know. We thought, oh wow, it's possible to do it. And 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 the the thing I remember was the love that came that came from all the U.S. players. All the veteran players were hugging us. And you know, since uh, since uh, I started, I thought we have uh, this winning with this competition in our mind. We, we need to, to win, right? We need to go there and win this, uh, with this cup, this, uh, this championship to be the best. And then we all were just on each other, partying and holding each other. 
And uh, I think that, that the first time in 2006 was the best time, the best uh, feeling I got. Uh, but still, my fir- my best routine ever was in 2011 with Eleonora in my mind. And that was where? In Prague. When we won in Prague the, the second and last time. I sort of did it for uh, my aunt. She was there uh, watching the, the game. I was so nervous. If you watch the video, you can tell. <laughs> I was into some... Uh, breathing uh, technique uh, <laughs> during those days so I, I I was breathing so and then when we started and everything went how we planned I thought we cannot do it better I, I, I thought that's it I'm happy I I cannot do better than this and uh, for me that that routine is my my, my favorite and uh, and I'm so happy I did it with Ele. And it's dropless too. I made a mistake, but she caught it at the last moment before it <laughs> cut to the to the ground. Yes, I remember that routine really well, having been there and getting to watch it live in person in Prague. Uh, one of the things that I remember uh, especially about that routine was that Eleonora, she was like a fierce warrior during that run. And I remember she was just so focused and so intense and she was present and you could tell that she was the leading force during that run. So yeah, I remember it well and it was really fun to watch. Yeah. Yep. I remember that too. There was a moment where uh, I think Fabio she has the disc and Fabio comes over and she's just like, get away from me. I'm going to shred now. She didn't say that, but you could tell by the look on her face that that was what was going to happen. It was really cool. I think, I think that's what yeah. wanted for them was her intensity. Yeah, I do too. And I think that was the thing is that I think maybe Fabio might've been a little lost and that might've been what he was mentioning uh, there at the end, but that she was like, no, no, I, this is mine and got to control this. And so it wasn't like an anger, but it was more of a, you know, she was yeah. in control and said, I'm leading this and trust me, yep. I've got you. Trust me. I got this. That's exactly what it was. Wait, yeah. Good, good reframe. So I just want to give a shout out to all of our patrons on Patreon. We really appreciate your guys' support. Uh, it really helps us keep the lights on. And if anyone else out there listening wants to help support Frisbee Guru and shooting the Frisbees, go up to uh, Patreon and look up Frisbee Guru and become a patron. We would really appreciate it. With that, Jake, I will talk to you next week. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Shooting the Frisbees with Jake and Randy. To contact us or for more info, check us out at frisbeeguru.com.